Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter number 17. First Kings chapter 17. I'll warn you ahead of time tonight might not be my normal Sunday night fair here. Been wrestling with the Lord a little bit today. Spent some time in prayer here this afternoon before we had prayer before night tonight before church. And uh I feel like I've been instructed of the Lord. And uh, brother and sister Cook, I believe God spoke to me for this service, for you two as a couple and your family. And uh, I'm just going to have a conversation with them tonight through the word of God. And you're all welcome to set in on it. The fact of the matter is this sharing of the word of the Lord here of course is applicable for each and every one of us regardless and I want you to receive it as such uh, but for some reason the Lord turned my attention here today and, and I know the elephant is the room the, this is y'all's last service and honestly I wasn't going to minister any along the lines of that I was just going to minister but God directed my attention uh, today uh, with certainty that this is what I should do. And so I'm going to read the word of the Lord. I want to minister. And, and I hope by some way, if I've ever helped you in the past two years, I hope whenever tonight has ended, the dust have settled, that this has been of some consolation and help to you and your family. Feel the Holy Ghost. First Kings chapter 17, verse number 2. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. God, and it, folks, I might not be sweating, blowing, going tonight, but ministry is going to happen here this evening. I want to minister this tonight. God has another there for you. God has another, quote, unquote, there 
for you. Folks, you know I just don't come off the sleeve and do this type of stuff all the time. But I feel in the Holy Ghost, God has something to say through his word here this evening. Father, I come before you. I'm asking God that the spirit, Lord, that led me here will be the spirit that would guide me through this here tonight. God, with great intention, Lord Jesus, you want this to be spoken and said. And so, God, I'm asking, Lord, for every recipient, Lord, sitting on this pew this evening, God would hear the word as the word, the word of heaven, the word of God. I pray, O oh Lord, tonight, God, help us, Jesus, in the next little while, open our hearts and our minds to receive, God, that word. God, and let it be applicable, Lord, in our lives, Lord, and serve its purpose as you would see fit. Accomplish, God, what it needs to accomplish. And we'll give you all the glory and the honor for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. God has another there for you. One of the biggest struggles we face as Christians, Christendom, ministry, it matters not, is knowing the will of God for our lives. There's perhaps not a single person here sitting under the sound of my voice who has not at one time with conflicting feelings, with trying to feel after the Lord, wondered, what is the will of God for me? It is the subject matter of conversation that comes up oft times, being a pastor that you hear from the people that you serve, what is God's will concerning this or that for our life? And so we all can somehow identify with one another that we've come to those junctures in the road when We've done what we have known to do, and whenever we have done that, we've come seemingly to the climax of that and thought, now what? Where to from here? Where do we go from this position or this place? Elijah spent the greater portion of his life among the recesses and the ravines of the hills, somewhere in a place of seclusion and obscurity. Elijah spent a greater portion of his life. He has just now emerged from that place of obscurity, according to 1 Kings 17. He's emerged from the hills of Gilead, and he has come into the pomp and the palace of the king of that land with a word from God. He delivers that word unto Ahab, in our English Bibles, it consists of about 25 words, probably much less in the Hebrew to this evil king, Ahab. And he gets done with the sentence. The period is landed. He's come forth for this time. He's been in obscurity and seclusion. He's come forth for this time. He delivers what God would have him deliver. And now it's like, now what? God, this is what you have asked me to do. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to go back in hiding? Do you want me to go back in obscurity? As a matter of fact, God, I'll wait here for a little bit. Maybe there's just another word you want me to share. Maybe there's another sentence or paragraph or another king that you want me to go approach and, and give unto them. But that wasn't necessarily the purpose or the will of God for this moment. But the will of God for Elijah at this moment is, Elijah, I want you to turn back eastward. 
And I want you to go abide by the brook Cherith. I want you to go there. And whenever Elijah did what God wanted him to do, whenever Elijah fulfilled what God wanted him to do, it's interesting because he didn't have to seek out what was next. After he delivered the message unto King Ahab, he didn't have to seek after what was next. God told him what was next. God told him where he was going to be going from that particular place. The Bible tells us in verse 2, the phraseology is this, that the word of the Lord came to him. He just delivered the first word that God wanted him to deliver. He just satisfied the first purpose that God had for his life. But now the word of the Lord has come again unto Elijah. He didn't have to search for it. It came to him. And folks, I want you to know tonight that whenever you have finished the will of God where you are or in your stage of life, that next will will be made known to you without doubt and without conflict. Didn't have to search for it. It came to him. It came to him. The word of God did. Amen. Whether it came to him as in the Old Testament, God speak to him. It may work in our today's society in that manner. But it also might work with just some distinct impressions in your spirit of the Lord directing your heart by the Holy Ghost. Either way, it'll come. It'll come. Amen. And you got to complete what the word of the Lord has for you. The Bible says that Abraham was spoken to in Genesis 12. God spoke to him and said, I want you to get out of this country that you're familiar with. I want you to get away from your folks and uh, the heritage of the family that you have and go into a land that I will show thee. And the Bible says that Abram's father, Terah, instead of continuing on their journey to Canaan, that they went a little way and settled into the place called Haran. And it was not, listen to pastor tonight, it was not until they totally left that arena and that area, even beyond Haran. We never see again where God spoke to Abraham until Abraham totally fulfilled the purpose that God asked him to do the first time. God did not speak to him while he was in Haran. But after he went on a journey that he didn't know where it was going to end and followed the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord began to speak to Abraham again and says, this is what I'm going to do and this is my purpose and this is my plan. Brother Cook, I'm confident tonight that the Spirit of the Lord has spoken to you because you have fulfilled His purpose for this last leg of the journey. And He's come at this point in time to speak because He has another purpose and He has another plan. But He couldn't speak until you fulfilled what you're supposed to fulfill. Because the way that God works through His Word is this. Our complete obedience to God at whatever stage in our life it may be, when we have completed that, that grants then instructions for the next stage of our life. His word is like that. It's a lamp unto our feet where we presently are, but it's also a light unto our path about where we're going. Amen. God's will for me tomorrow then, folks, is this. God's will for you tomorrow can only be revealed. 
through focusing on what God's will is for you today. What God's will for you. We would all love. God would just set up his chart, draw the timeline, put the dashes of the years on there, and say, today this is where you are, and five years from now this is where you're going to be, and ten years from there this is the other, and here's the peaks, and here's the valleys. We would love sometimes if God would sit down and do all of that, but here's the thing. If God would do that, there would be a measure of faith that would not be enacted in our life. And so God keeps things behind a curtain, and he says this is where you need to be, and that's what you need to do. And by faith we believe God. And by faith we obey God. And then when God says I need you to go a different route. Then he reveals it at that point in time. Because God doesn't want us to be dependent upon anyone. Anything. Any congregation. All he wants is us to be dependent upon God. Old man preacher Hudson Taylor used to say it this way. There are three ways to serve the Lord. He said you can do what you want to do. And hope that it works. Said you can do what you want to do and maybe ask God to bless it. He said, or you can find out what God wants you to do and expect him to bless it. I set myself up for disappointment when I want to regulate God to move in my present situation. Listen to me. Just like he did in just my previous situation. Here is something. It's frustrating sometimes, but God doesn't always work in every segment of your life just like he did in the previous segment of your life. And although there are times that that happens, although there may be times we look at our lives and say that was just like this or that was just like that, it doesn't always happen that way. And so what is needful, what is necessary is being sensitive to knowing when the word of the Lord is coming to you and whatever venue that may be and whatever path that may take and following it wherever it may lead, even if it isn't conducive, even if it doesn't look like the last journey you was just on. Because I've heard the word of the Lord. The Bible says in Numbers 9 and verse 22 and 23. Or whether it were two days or a month or a year. That the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle. Remaining thereon the children of Israel abode in their tents. And journeyed not. But when it was taken up they journeyed. And at the commandment of the Lord they rested in the tents. And at the commandment of the Lord they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. In other words, and some of us may be familiar with this story, but the children of Israel's journey through the wilderness was after this manner. When that pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night, whenever it moved and the cloud and the presence of God moved, they moved. They're living in tents. They didn't have homes made of, 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 of brick and mortar and, and thatched roofs, but they had tents where they drove stakes in the ground. And they had to be ready at a moment's notice if necessary to pull up stakes because the cloud of fire or that of the cloud during the day was moving. And whenever it halted, they halted. And here is the, the wonder, if you will, of the scripture. The Bible tells us that the rock that followed them that supplied water followed that cloud as well.
It tells us that the manna that they experienced every day that kept them from starvation, amen, was following, if you will, the presence of that cloud as well. Meaning this, that as long as they were following that presence, they would always be provided for because the rock from which the water flowed and the manna that fell from heaven was in tandem with the Spirit of God that was leading them. There'd always be provision for their lives if their feet would be found in the path of obedience to the unctioning of the Spirit. Can someone say amen? amen? Sometimes revelation happens bit by bit. Revelation for the next step happens after obedience to prior instruction. The Bible tells us in Mark 3 and verse 13, it says, And he goeth up into a mountain calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained the twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness, and to cast out devils. Man, what a great thing. The Bible speaks here is Christ upon a mountain. He calls some to him that would and they came unto him and then he's ordaining them. They're going out. They're evangelizing if you will the world. They're preaching. They're laying hands on the sick and they're being recovered and those that have unclean spirits, they're being cast out. What a great and mighty thing. But what we need to back up to is this. God's calling upon their life was not first primarily evangelize the world. His calling primarily was not heal the sick or cast out the devil. His first foremost primary thing for them was this, that they would come unto him. Fellowship. Fellowship with God was primary. That came first. And then their ministry to the world. That came first. And then victory over the enemy. Someone say amen. I don't know if Elijah, after he spoke those 25 words, he thought, man, I tell you what. I spoke 25 words in the, in the ears of King Ahab. Word gets out about this. I'm going to have to buy me a chariot and a camel. <laughs> We're going to have to do some traveling. There are going to be some events open up. They're probably going to have me and the limelights on the side of some donkeys walking down the street. Whenever word gets out about this. But you know what God's unction was? He says, no, we're not doing that. I want you to go back to the brook called Cherith. Nobody else is there. Hey, man, there's no other, no other people there. It's just going to be you and me. Just going to be you and me. And so I got to get you back to the brook Cherif so it can just be you and me. Because all these other things, they'll come in their time. They'll come in their purpose. But none of them is paramount to being with me. None of them is paramount than having fellowship with me. Can someone say amen? And he says whenever we have fellowship and sweet fellowship, he said ministry will happen as a byproduct. Amen. Healings will take place as a byproduct. The enemy will have victory over as a byproduct. Can someone say amen? And what it comes down to is this. Our lives on this road and this journey in our walk with God must be marinated by periods of being separated solely for fellowship with the master. God's will and purpose for any of y'all's lives cannot succeed beyond your fellowship with the master. 
not beyond the fellowship with the master. And whenever you have that concretely where it needs to be, then all those other qualities of evangelizing the world, healings, and overcoming the enemy, it will happen just in tandem with having fellowship with God. Now think about it. Later in Elijah's life, probably one of the more notable things of his life, Mount Carmel. Seemingly one man against the prophets of the grove, the prophets of Baal, building his altar to his God, calling as it were fire down from heaven to lick up the water he poured on the sacrifice. And we're thinking, man, that is great and that tremendous. But listen, every Mount Carmel is preceded by a cherith. Every Mount Carmel is preceded by a Zarephath. And the way to the Mount Carmel is you got to go by a brook all alone, sequestered by yourself in order to reach the times of the Mount Carmel experience. But here is good news tonight. If you find yourself at a cherub, there's a Mount Carmel in your future. If you find yourself at a Zarephath, there's a Mount Carmel in your future. But you got to go by cherith. Cherish, cherith is the Hebrew word that means to cut off. Or to cut down. Folks, I'm telling you, it's the will of God that we from time to time revisit Cherith. No one's around but you and God. Because it's at Cherith that we become cut off. We become separated from everyone else. It's not that people are bad, but we become separated from everyone else. We consecrate that time that we would have had with them to time being with God. There are times we got to revisit. Brother Mason, I could tell you the times that I have visited Cherith, not just for the purpose of being cut off, but for the purpose of being cut down. For the purpose of walking me, if you will, by a road of humility. Jesus in his earthly ministry tried to teach his disciples the importance of a cherub in their lives. He tried to teach it to them by example and teach it to them by commandment. The Bible says in Mark 1.35, speaking of Jesus, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, speaking of Jesus, went out, departed into what? A solitary place. And there he prayed. By example, more than one time we see this in Scripture. What is he doing? He's getting alone. He's finding himself a cherub. He's being separated because he knew in order to do what needs to be done in this day concerning healing, in order what needs to be done in this day concerning the casting out devils and what's going to take place, I need a cherub in my life. I need a place of fellowship, if you will. Now, notice what the Bible says, Mark 6 and verse 30. By commandment, the apostles gathered themselves together into Jesus and told him all things, both what he had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Could you imagine? They've just been on this uh, uh, little venue, if you will. They've been preaching. Man, they've been teaching what God, uh, what Christ had taught to them. And they've been going around to these different segments and told Jesus when they return, this is what we have done. This is what we have taught. Isn't this great and tremendous? And he's like, yeah, that is great and tremendous. But listen, boys, if you ever get to the place 
that ministry trumps relationship. You, you ever get to a place that doing for me is greater than doing with me? He said, then you all need to come apart. You've been doing a lot of ministry. He said, but don't you lose out on your fellowship with me. Folks, what it boils down for us as Christians is this. You can come to church. You can be faithful. You can do all these things for God. You can set up a self-harm awareness. You can be there. You're going to participate here, this, that, and ever. But if you lose out on your prayer life, if you lose out on your devotion with the Lord, some of these things grow very vague and meaningless and void of power. If you quit having fellowship with the master at your cherub a long time, Tremendous thing about God, and I confidently say this based upon his word, where God directs, he also provides. God gave Elijah some instructions, but they did not come without provisions as well. Notice the two ways that the Lord supplied Elijah's need. He provided for Elijah through a natural means, the brook. And he provided for Elijah through supernatural means. The ravens. Now you say, Brother McGee, there's nothing too supernatural about a raven. Just, just stay with me. He supplied for him by a natural means the brook, supernatural means the raven. Notice also in verses 4 and 9 of 1 Kings 17. Verses 4 and 9. The Bible says, and it tells us, listen to me. Brother Sister Cook, listen to me. The Bible says that before he commanded Elijah the prophet to go to Cherith, and before he commanded him to go to Zarephath, he had already commanded the raven to go to Cherith. And before he ever told the prophet to go to Zarephath, he had already told him that I have a woman there that's going to take care of you. So understand this, before you get back home, God already has some things waiting for you before you even get there because it's all God's will and God's plan. Before he ever commanded you to go, he had already commanded the means. He already commanded the supply that was needed before you were even going to need it. Someone say amen. In verse 4, God told Elijah, he commanded the ravens to feed, note, Here's where maybe my subject matter comes more clear. He commanded the ravens to feed Elijah there. There at this point in time was the brook Cherith that God had instructed Elijah to go to. And note that God did not give a general command to the ravens just to feed Elijah. He commanded them to feed him there. In other words, this wasn't ravens, you feed Elijah wherever Elijah goes. No, you feed Elijah where I appointed for Elijah to go. Is someone hearing me? He didn't give a general command, but he wanted Elijah to be fed where he commanded him to go. At that there spot where God instructed him to be. Can I say this tonight? That to be anywhere else 
would it to have been outside of the provision of the Lord. To have been anywhere else would to be at a place where God did not command the raven to go. To supply the need, to meet the need, to minister to the man of God. But since the man of God went there, the place where God said to go, God says, I commanded a raven to come and to be there as well. Amen. To supply exactly what you have need of. Now note, there? I mean, the term there is quite a broad term now, isn't it? We use it just kind of off cuff and off sleeve all the time. The word there is a broad term. It means, though, the word there means in or at that place. In or at that place. For Elijah, it was there was a cherith. For some others in this place, your present day there may be a valley. Your present day there may be a physical difficulty. Your present day there may be somewhere or something else. But here is the confidence we receive from God's word. Regardless of where your there is. Regardless of where your there is. You can rest assured that God has commanded provision for you there. The Bible says, I, 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 I thank the Lord for the scriptures that he puts in our lives. Ezekiel 48 and 35. The Bible says it was round about 18,000 measures. And the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. It is an uncommon amen for me tonight to realize that one of the titles of Jehovah, one of the titles of the Lord was Jehovah Shammah. Expressly the Lord is there or the Lord is in that place or the Lord is at that place and although our there may differ from each other and our there my there may not be your there I have consolation tonight that no matter my there may differ from your there the Lord who is Jehovah Shammah the Lord is there and he will personally provide make a way sustain For now, Cherith was his there. Later, Zarephath would be his there. Later, Mount Carmel will be his there. But regardless, in all the episodes, God was there. And Elijah seemingly without any hesitation in verse 5. No hesitation is necessarily denoted. God gave him the instruction and Elijah obeyed without one question, without bartering with God of why he went. Now this is key. He didn't go on a weekend trip. Let's say he got, en got enough camel hair <laughs> cloaks together and some goat's milk and bottles for a nice weekend trip. You know, a guy's trip. A guy trip. No. The Bible says he went to where the Lord told him to go. And note the particular wording of the scripture. The Bible says he goes to dwell by the brook. He went to live there. He went to live there. See, you visit a place and, and you just have a few of your belongings and there's just a certain amount of relaxation, amount of transparency that you'll... That you'll uh, 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 give yourself latitude to be in a place you're just visiting. But whenever you call something home, you grow comfortable there. Kick up your feet there. You become transparent there. 
And Elijah found that at the brook called Cherith, he kicked up his feet. He lived there. He knew what the apostle was writing about in the Philippian scripture, that whatever state he was in, he, he learned how to be content. And so Elijah learned and knew this concept very well. So he didn't just go to the brook to spend a few hours or just a weekend trip. He lived there. And so he had to become comfortable there and content, if necessary, to be there for the long haul. If that's what God wanted. In other words, he had to go there as though he would be. There for a long time. Because he was going to live there. And the Bible says the ravens would bring bread and flesh to Elijah. They'd come in the morning. The Bible says they would be there in the evening. Isn't it interesting that they never brought once food for a week or food for a month? No. They just brought enough in the morning for the sustenance of Elijah. And they brought enough in the evening for the sustenance of Elijah. Again, God wanted Elijah to be dependent not upon the raven, but upon the sender of the raven to be dependent upon him. And so he orders our lives in so many ways that that's the way that it must be. Remember, the Bible talks about that we pray for our daily bread and that manna would all times come every morning but would dissolve on the morning dew. Amen. I believe God knows exactly what he's talking about. He told us that as our days would be, so shall our strength would be. He gives us just enough for the moment. And so he chose to feed Elijah through the ravens. Now, why? In, I mean, of all things. You know? You know what I'm saying? Of all things, a raven? Now, let's get real. I could think of some, I ain't going to say better ways because I'm going to insult God. I could think of some more appealing ways that breakfast and dinner could come. But a raven, for goodness sake. I mean, what in the world does this mean to Elijah? Number one, Elijah being a Jew, according to the law, the raven was a carnivore. He's a meat eater. Everybody say a meat eater. He's a meat eater. He's known as an unclean bird. It's one of the species that the Jews were not to partake of was a raven. And so although we're told not to eat of the raven, still God chose this unclean bird to feed Elijah. And so this bird is going morning and night to get flesh in its talons, take it to the man of God, and the one carrying the flesh is a meat eater. Now let me tell you, this is where it comes that God supplied for Elijah, not just through natural means of a brook, but through supernatural means, because I'm telling you, it's a miracle that a meat eater could get meat to the man of God. That was a supernatural occurrence. That was taking place. But now we come to a very interesting in our journey. Now I'm trying to be mindful here tonight. I really thought tonight I'd just you know, speak abbreviated. I know we have a lot of stuff, but nevertheless. The Bible says. In verse number seven. I preached years ago a sermon along these lines. After a while. The brook. Dries up. The there that God sent you to dries up. The place where God stationed the man of God dries up. Now this almost seems to indicate a process over time and not something that was instantaneously that happened 
But do you understand how you can be around something and not even detect that it's changing? I take my kids places that where my in-laws, perhaps in Tennessee, Brother Andrew doesn't see them all the time. And they say, man, he or she has really grown. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I'm around them every day. But evidently in the process of time here, the brook has become less and less than what it was the day before. And can you imagine Elijah as he's standing there and then finally having recognition of the fact that the brook is dwindling away and thinking, is this where God told me to go? Is this where God wanted me to be? And now this natural means is, is drying up, even questioning maybe, did I hear you right, God? You did say Cherith, right? You did say go eastward to Cherith. This is correct, isn't it, God? Is this where you want me to go? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Because the very resource that you had here for sustaining me is depleting. And the Bible says, and it came to pass. It literally means it came to be. In other words, it's not a matter of circumstance. It's not a matter of unfortunate chance, but it was the sovereign will and plan of God for this to happen. As a matter of fact, in the literal Hebrew, it means this. Amen. It means, but at the end, speaking of sometime later or after a while, but at the end, a specific day. You know what that means? That when God stationed Elijah at the brook, he already had a day marked down when it would dry up. And that segment of time there will have served its purpose for Elijah. A specific time. And folks, let me tell you, God's time is the best time. God's time is the best time. And when the brook dried up, don't you know that God could have had water come out of another rock? Don't you know there could have been a donkey that killed over and he could have found water in the hollow of that donkey's jawbone just like he did for Samson? Could have had all of that to happen. Could have had that took place. But that wasn't God's purpose. Listen very carefully. I'm, coming. I'm hastening to a close. Do you remember? Does anybody here remember the reason that the brook dried up? We take one step backwards. It's because there was no rain. Do you know why there was no rain? Because the prophet Elijah said, by the word of God, by my mouth, there will not be rain upon the earth for three and a half years. In other words, no rain was an answer to the prophet's prayer. And the brook drying up was a consequence and an answer to that prayer as well. Brother Cook, I don't know what you've been praying in your personal closet for the past two years. But what the juncture is that we come in the road to today is nothing more but an answer to your own prayer. That God has another there for you. And when the brook dried up, he says, man of God, the word of the Lord comes speaking again. He says, man of God, you get yourself down to Zarephath. And look, dwell. Someone say there. There. God has another there for you. He's already made the arrangements. He's already sent the supply before you've ever left. 
And all I'm asking you as a couple, and we love and appreciate you, is to be sensitive because you may not know when the next word is coming. You may not know when the next word is coming. And this may not be the last leg of your ministerial journey. But if he closes up one there, God will always have another there. If you'll stand with me here this evening. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to ask this evening that we close the service in this manner. If they will and can, I'd like to ask Brother and Sister Cook and their three girls to come to the front here tonight. A little over a year ago, they were up here and we were praying over them for a transition. That's all right. We were praying over them for a transition in the capacity that they are presently serving. And I don't think, I think it would be a, a be amiss if we weren't praying for them for their next transition, although it's not within this assembly. Amen. And so, if I ask the mentor bishop and, and Brother Mason to come, and, and we want to anoint them and their family with oil, and we love uh, these girls and these children. Bishop, he's always ready. He's got oil in his pocket. Amen. We want to pray for them, and, and, and we're going to pray for them, but I'm going to ask church family, whenever ministry gets in here, can you just gather in tonight? Can we gather in? Because listen, I, I, although you know you're in the will of God, there is still just so many things of uncertainty that can just get into your mind and your spirit and be difficult to be difficult to handle and so many different varied emotions and feelings that's going you know on for them and and we want to stand behind them listen 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 to pastor tonight please do not in any way try to be a drawback on them for doing what they're needing to do and I understand friendships have been made and that's fine and that's okay but what I'm saying is don't 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 push yourself so much in their life that they, they long for coming back here rather than doing what God wants them to do. Listen, I've been there, done it, folks, more than once, more than once. So I want you to support them. Be the wind that will blow in their sails to that other there that God has for their life. Can we pray over, amen, them? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.